You're listening to The Broken Meeple Show, a podcast that speaks passionately about board games for the benefit of those who play them. My name's Luke Hector, best known for The Broken Meeple YouTube channel, and I'm an everyday gamer just like you. And I'll be talking about reviews, top tens, and just about anything that connects me to board games, as long as I have a tea or coffee in hand, that is. So grab a cup, relax, and enjoy. And remember, it's only a game. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Broken Meeple Show on, what's this now, Sunday the 22nd of August, uh, sometime mid-afternoon for me, and it's a bit of a long weekend, I must admit, I'm tired today from three reasons, to be honest. Uh, firstly, I, with a bunch of friends, got together for a big gathering yesterday where we celebrated a friend's birthday, but it was just a case that a bunch of us who had not seen each other for like a year and a half finally got to meet face to face again and that was worth every minute of the day it was totally worth it took up the whole day a little exhausted from that uh because i got back late but yeah definitely worth it you know we are starting to see some normality now in england uh for post-covid and that and slowly but surely uh reunions are starting to happen and it's a good feeling uh second thing is that i've been hard at work today doing uh uh, blog stuff because I've tried to distract my mind from things and the easiest way to do that is to do editing and what I've basically managed to do is I've managed to get uh, the Undaunted and King is Dead reviews edited and ready for upload so I'm going to upload those during this week uh, probably I'll do um, King is Dead tomorrow and uh, the Undaunted on Wednesday shall we say and then what that means is that after the a July acquisitions video I did yesterday in this podcast today, that means I am now ready to start putting out the top 100. So the top 100 spreadsheet is 99.9% done. I have finished the list, I have sorted it, I have exported it, and I am currently correcting it for weird emissions. Like maybe I forgot about a game and didn't put it on the comparisons, or maybe I look at where a certain game is on the list and go, well, hang on a minute, that seems way too high, way too low compared to this, hang on, you know, because it's very hard in the, the heat of the moment doing the comparisons. And also I need to put it on the spreadsheet which compares last year to this year so that I can work out what games fell off, what ones have debuted, uh, what the rankings have, you know, have they gone up by 30 places, have they come down in 20 places, you know, I like to find those stats and I know you lot do as well. But it means that I can start recording them and getting them out. So the late end of August and early September will be taken up with top 100 primarily, so no specific reviews. The only game I need to do a preview of is I think one called Scandalo, which is the revised, looks like a revised version of Awkward Guests. It's from Mega Corpin Games and I was meant to do it back in July, but their Kickstarter got delayed and I was already tied up with a lot of other stuff to do, especially with the Osprey game stuff. And I just figured, you know what, I can afford to delay that for a bit. So it's some point I need to get that played and properly sort of done a little preview on it but other than that I should be done for reviews for a short while while I'm doing top 100s and then after the top 100 is done I'm gonna have to think about the channel in a sense of how much time devoted to reviews again because I mean it took me a long time to get through these reviews and all the time I'm doing reviews I'm not doing collaborations I'm not doing top 10s which are my favorite thing to do and the reviews are hit and miss in terms of views so I've got to I gotta find a way. I mean, maybe maybe the Blitz review should just go back to a compilation and just do like three to five Blitz reviews in one video and then do the occasional video for detail like with Imperium. You know, maybe I should go back to that because really I feel like this channel needs to be fully 
top tens sometimes at one point. I mean, when I go back over what I've done, it feels like top tens are the way to go. Every top 10 I have done has been very popular. It's had a lot of good engagement with you all. And that's what I want. I want engagement with the viewers. I don't just simply want, you know, a view count. I want comments, I want likes, I want engagement, you know, that's the sort of thing I like. And the top 10s get the most of that because it's the kind of thing you want to see. As well as what games I've bought and what games I've culled, they're very popular. But the reviews are hit and miss. I mean, a lot of these Blitz reviews just don't even creep over a thousand views, which really diminishes the the necessity to do the review considering how much time I put into my edits. Bear in mind, there's a lot of creators out there who literally just switch on the camera, talk, and that's it. You know, it takes about 20 minutes to edit their videos. But a lot of these, even the Blitz reviews, can take me hours to do, and the detail and top 10s can take me many hours to do because I want to make them look as professional as possible. I don't want to settle for click, speak, click, and then done. That, that's just not my style. But unfortunately, that doesn't necessarily generate into attention and engagement. So as I say, you know, and there's been a lot of reviews over the last couple of months, but not as many top 10s as I would like. I want to get the patrons to do some suggestions. I want to do more collab uh, top fives. I have done some recently. In fact, I'll say right now, thank you so much, everybody who joined us for the top 10 thematic euros that I did with Paul Grogan. This one has blown my mind. 12,000 views and it was done on the 10th of August. So yes, I know 10,000 is nothing compared to you know some people, but that is 400 plus likes. That is 120 comments. That is 12,000 views. That is insane for a live collaboration that I've done. You know, I've done other live collaborations before and all of them are enjoyable. I love doing them, but none of them have ever got to the level of that is. And I can only imagine that that's because Paul Grogan was on the show <laughs> because let's face it, he's awesome. So why would he not bring in a ton of people? But people were clamoring at us to do a collaboration for ages and we did this one. It was a good topic, you know, thematic Euro games. We did a top 10 so it was a long stream. I mean, two hours 40, it was a long stream, but watch it piecemeal if you have to. You don't have to watch it all in one go. Just listen to it in your car journeys over the course of a week. You know, you'll catch up with it and that's fine. But wow. Oh my God, that was such a fun stream. We had a good time. It went flawlessly. The chat was great. And even, and on top of that, you know, because we did had fun with that one, uh, we did a Spirit Island I'll try and see if I can find it actually for people now watching the YouTube version. Um, we did a Spirit Island playthrough recently. So we essentially took the digital app and we, uh, what was the word? Yeah, we did a playthrough where each of us played a different spirit. We both played very defensive spirits. And where is it? Come on, let's see if I can find it. Uh, find it on this channel. I probably will. But we played it together. So we did a two player over live stream. And here we go. Oop, here we go. Yep. Spirit Island playthrough with a digital adaptation. Over a thousand views currently. It really needs more views than that because we had a great time with this stream. I mean, we did it over Steam. Uh, what's it called? Like shared play or something? I don't know. I don't know how it works. But, you know, he's on screen, green screen. I'm just the voice. But we played a two-player game of Spirit Island. We were on the back foot for ages. We were both playing very defensive spirits, so we couldn't really get on the offensive. And then we turned it round. But did we win? You'll have to watch the stream to find out. But we had great people in the chat. It was just great fun. You know, that's the sort of thing that I want to do more of. So certainly, you know, like I say, best wishes to Paul. But we do a lot of good stuff together, I think. So I would love to do more stuff with him. Um, uh, What was the third reason for the tiredness? Third reason, uh, a bit of anxiety pain today, just to say. And I do suffer from 
uh, like chest pain if I get like anxious about stuff. And lately, I've you know the anxiousness has been over social media and what's been happening lately, and just like I've I've seen like a couple of people post stuff behind my back which has not been very nice and you know it's resulted in a couple of unfollows just out of the blue and it's like well hang on why why this and then somebody showed me what was going on and it's like that's really underhanded and it's just like you know some people are just out to see the world burn it seems uh, online so social media is a a crazy thing so yeah, I mean, we'll get onto this later on. But suffice to say, anytime something like this happens, I get the anxious chest pain and then I can't get rid of it. Meditational music, chamomile tea. I've even got chamomile tea in front of me here. You know, I'm trying to calm myself down. The only way I can even remotely try and get rid of it is the gym and exercise. But even that has variable returns. And I'm not going to the gym until later this evening before I go out for a birthday meal. So to burn the calories off. So it's kind of like I just got to get on with stuff. And I figured recording this podcast would be a good start. But don't worry, I'll be fine. It's just one of those days, I think. Uh, you know, yesterday was such a great day. This morning was just a bit of a rough morning. But yeah, I say, all well. Let's talk positive. Let's talk positive. So on this episode, let's go on to what I've played. So what have I played? Well, three games in particular over the last, shall we say, yeah, a couple of weeks or so since I last did this one. Uh, we'll go on to Board Game Geek and find you a game called Herbaceous. Yes, I have finally played it, which I think is downstairs at the moment, um, Pencil First Games. Uh, I gave this one a 7 out of 10 after playing it a couple of times. You know, I need to play it some more, but this is basically the quintessential nice-looking filler. This <laughs> is really one way to put it. All you are doing in this game, this is so quick, 15 minutes is like the maximum time this game should take you. You basically have a bunch of cards with very pretty pictures of herbs on it, you know, Beth Sabell, she does a fantastic job, love her to bits. And you've got four pots with different requirements, so pot identical herbs, pairs of herbs, multiple pairs of herbs, whatever. And you collect these herbs each turn from a central display as well as some in your private garden. And the idea is, is that you're basically just collecting them in such a way that at the start of your turn you can think, right, these are ready to pot into one of those four scoring cards. You can only use each pot once during the game though, so... Uh, you know, how far do you push your luck in terms of, ooh, should I pot this now? Should I wait? I don't know. If I kind of hang around too much, then this isn't going to go well for me. And it's just a very pleasant little filler. Yeah, that's pretty much all the rules. Get the herbs, plant them, see your wins, the end. 15 minutes. But these pictures here, you know, I'm sorry if you're listening to this on audio, but... This game is gorgeous. I cannot stress enough how beautiful these herb pictures are. It makes me want to have a herb garden of my own. However, I have tried that in the past and it doesn't survive very long. But And not to mention my lifestyle being very busy means I don't get to do as much cooking as I used to, which means I can't do a huge amount of herbaling. Herbaling? Herbalization? <laughs> I don't know. Herbology? <laughs> I don't know what the word is. But yeah, so this game is just very nice and light. It's not exactly a game that's going to blow you away, though. I mean, this is stupidly simple. It's nothing revolutionary. It's just a very light, relaxing game. I've played it solo, and I think the solo mode's actually half decent. You know, having to decide, Ooh, when am I going to get these herbs out of the communal garden before they auto-reset? It's something that will tie you over for 10, 15 minutes while you're, say, waiting on a train, waiting on a pet um, petrol, <laughs> airplane, you know, uh, airport but you know with up to four players this can still be a nice 15 minute filler that doesn't take too long you know 25 minutes tops with four players but yeah it's super quick it's nice it's light it's beautiful 
it's kind of pencil first game stick really so i'm glad i've uh, tried it you know i've recently grabbed another ikea shelf so i've got a bit more space downstairs because as you might have noticed there's been some rearrangement of some of the games up here i've tried to put some of the lcg stuff in the shelves and you know tried to put some of the big box games like tainted grail complete downstairs on the new ikea shelf uh look at my instagram i think i've got a bunch of pictures in relation to that and I've even been redecorating the wall opposite that you can't see. It's no longer got cheap little posters on it. And the Dalek canvas print, Dalek canvas print is now downstairs. And I've put board game art up there. So I've got all the very, the best looking expansion boxes that I've got for various games. And they're up there in a nice kind of weird sort of topsy-turvy layout, you know, to utilize the space. And yeah, I think it looks a lot better. But yeah, have a look at my Instagram for pictures on that. But I'm getting off topic. Yeah, herbaceous, very nice. And let's face it, I suppose if we're on topic for what you would want to put on your wall, I would put a ton of Beth Sobo stuff on my wall, definitely. Okay, while we're on the subject of great artwork, why don't we talk about Haven? I've played it. I have finally played Haven, this box right here. I finally played it. It took me how many years <laughs> to get this played? Kind of ridiculous, really. I was just constantly having to do other things. I never got around, and it's a two-player game. Two-player games are hard for me to get to the table, so it doesn't help that it you know that doesn't help me get it played but haven is a it's not designed by ryan lockett it's designed by alf uh, sergey i think alf sergey i think that's how you pronounce it i uh, could be wrong but illustrated by ryan lockett and it's a red raven game so it's been published by the great ryan lockett but not necessarily designed by him so this was going to be a little bit different but this is a really cool two-player almost sort of tug of war game the idea is, is that there are these elemental spirits wandering around this map, and one of you plays the forest and one of you plays the city. And the two of you are buying for area control in this forest. The way it happens is that you've got these tokens with the different three elements, uh, like earth, rock, well, like, I don't know, leaf, rock, and water, I expect you can call them. And you have these miniature decks of cards, a little bit small for my liking, but, you know, it keeps the, uh, the box size small, I guess. And some of these are special power cards, some of these are offerings, which you have to use in order to trigger various conflicts, and there are, some of them are followers. The followers range in power levels, and they have certain like um, arrow and sword symbols on them to rec represent combat value. And the idea is, is that you place these followers next to these various tokens for the different like elements and you're vying for control so sometimes they're face down sometimes they're face up you don't know whether the opponent's bluffing you in certain areas or not and after certain offering cards are played like uh, free per token the conflict results and whoever wins on the combat value gets to control a specific like point a point of interest on the map whoever wins though in terms of the higher value of the cards themselves gets control of the token each doing each of those is worth points and leads to a different like way of playing the game but the idea is, is that you've got two things to think about when a conflict resolves if you control a lot of areas on the map then you start controlling the various havens which are basically like areas of the board and that gets you points as well as other benefits but then if you control those element tokens they not only score points each but you also end up basically being like you know getting control of the elemental monsters at the end of the game for more vps it's a really interesting little game this actually um it's not 
again, didn't blow my mind. It's a seven at the moment based on literally like a couple of plays first impressions here. But I'd like to play it some more and I'm going to hang on to this game because I thought it wasn't too difficult for the rule set once I got into it. You know, I had to read a couple of bits multiple times just because I was probably tired from playing things like Undaunted and various other two player games I was trying to get to the table that day. But it's beautiful to look at. I mean, this is Ryan Lockett's art, so everything looks fantastic. Uh, the theme is sort of abstracted in the sense, but, you know, it does feel like it is forest versus city in terms of the city has a bunch of mechanical steampunk style things and the forest has all the, like, you know, elks and, you know, boars and various animals to get there. So that theme is there. The standees, which look really nice. The cards themselves are easy to, you know, read in that. But as I say, they are small, so you have to be used to handling little small cards but yeah the tug of war about trying to resolve each of those conflicts you know do i go for the value do i go for the combat value specifically am i trying to control this area if i can control this area does that mean i'll be able to uh, like get that haven i do i need to really win this one so that i deny my opponent things can i bluff him into playing really powerful cards on an area which i've already resigned it's it's really neat little game it's quite clever not too difficult but it's beautiful. It's got a little mini like variant you can throw in for some extra meat if you want. But honestly, I can actually take or leave it. I'm not that fussed about the variant. I would just play the game as normal. But yeah, it's beautiful. And, and it's a, I don't know if elegance the word, but it's certainly a beautiful, interesting, clever two player back and forth. You know, not revolutionary, but I think if I was to do a top 10 games for two players only, I think Haven would be somewhere in the bottom Part of that, maybe like somewhere in the 8 to 10 category, you know, it was very enjoyable and I'm glad I finally played it and it can now sit on my shelf and not be regarded as a shelf of shame. So, well done. Another great game from Red Raven Games. And then we're going to go on to Osprey Games again and I know I've been kind of on a bit of an Osprey Games fix lately. Well, they did send me four games to review, which was very nice of them, you know, so can't exactly uh, complain, but... I did purchase another one from them called The Lost Expedition. This one they did not send me, but Osprey Games have a sale on at the moment. It's going to last till the end of August, and uh, you know, 7 out of 10 here, as you can see. But this one, again, is first impressions. I haven't played it that much, but I bought it thinking, oh, this will be an interesting solo game. I'd, uh, Z Garcia had done a playthrough of it and had spoken highly of it, and usually Z Garcia and I... We gel a lot. I think I gel a lot with him on what sort of things I like in games, what sort of games I like, particularly these small games. His choice of solo games and two-player games and that really do resonate with me. So I figured let's give this one a try. And it looked interesting. Uh, Pierce of Esther has done uh, also, uh, was it The King is Dead? Which I'm not going to spoil what I think of that game. The review should be coming out uh, Monday, Monday evening. So you can look forward to that. But, well, Monday evening British time anyway. And he, this one was another solo game by him, and I thought, okay, let's give it a shot and see what it is. And, ugh, spider. Don't like spider on there. Hate spiders on the covers. But the artwork in this is different. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I'm fine with it. You know, it hit or miss in areas. But this is a clever but flawed card game, solo-wise. The idea is, is that you have this track um, in the middle there, and... The idea is, is that you are trying to get to the end of the track. It's basically exploring the jungle until you reach this uh, lost city, effectively. I'll see if I can find a uh, blown up picture here for some of you. This will have to do. So you're trying to get from A to B, and you've got three explorers and a limited amount of food and ammo tokens and health. The idea is, is that you play these cards which are numbered in a line, and various shenanigans happen in terms of 
where you, how you place the cards, which come from your hand and which come from a deck. You have two phases, the morning and the evening, and the rules for how the cards are played are different in those. And you have to basically do one hike, which is one round of cards, in both morning and evening. And then it reverts back to morning and evening and morning and evening. And it's just a case of like you end up with new cards every day. And you've got to keep going until you either get to the end, which is yet to happen with me, or you, or yet to happen with most people, it seems, or you die, which happens a lot. And this is on the this is on the same levels as Robinson Crusoe in terms of, oh my word, this game is hard. Although I would actually say that this game is in a way harder than Robinson Crusoe because Robinson Crusoe has some luck elements. Some. You know, you roll dice every now and again, but you can mitigate those. And there's only so many times on that dice you would actually fail something. It's just a case that something is just not quite as uh, great as you hoped. But you can control some elements of uh, um, Robinson Crusoe, but it's just really, really hard. This one, you you have some control. I like the card play where you've got the different ways that you can shuffle cards around. You know, you, you know they've got an alligator here, or a crocodile, sorry, and... Yeah, I don't, want to, I don't want the animal experts having to go at me here. But, you know, I could swap this crocodile with the uh, electric eel over there if I've got a card that allows me to do so. And by playing it in a sequence, you effectively want them to resolve from left to right in the way that's going to be less punishing to you and maybe get rid of the worst cards and stuff like that. But the problem is, is that there's a lot of bad cards here. Most of this stuff is just out to get you. And the problem is, is that you are drawing a lot from a deck of cards. Not only your hand, but also randomly each round in general. This game has a very high luck factor. Now, it's certainly clever as to, you know, the way that you've got to balance the resources and the stuff you do with the expertise on your explorers, helping you with certain actions and that. And certainly there's some nasty stuff here. I'm actually paranoid that I'm going to go across and find the one with the spider in it because I really don't want to come across that picture. But, you know, this is a clever game, but it's incredibly hard like frustratingly hard because luck of the draw might just hose you and there's so many way times that you've got to you know draw more cards or lose food or lose ammo and that i just don't know how on earth you're supposed to win this game without some insane luck i feel like i'm making half decent decisions but maybe there's some decisions i can make better with practice but there's a lot of times where i just feel like the game punishes you relentlessly and you can't seem to do anything about it now, I also have the expansion for this, uh, the Fountain of Youth, which has some modules that technically make the game harder. Why? Why would I want to make this game harder? But there is a mini expansion in there with followers, uh, companions, which apparently makes the game a little easier. Yes, I'm going to do that. I am going to take that mini expansion. I'm going to throw it in every game, and I don't care what people say. I want to make the game fun and challenging not brutally hard and that is the problem i'm having with this game so far i like the cleverness of the cards i like the shenanigans you can pull off i like the theme i like the artwork i'm cool with it but i don't like how frustratingly difficult it is when you don't seem to have as much control as you would like over the outcome and that is what is hurting the lost expedition at the moment so if you don't like games to beat you up relentlessly and feel like you've got no chance at various times then you might want to give this one a miss but so far I like it but I have some issues it's one to five players most people say it's best as a solo game I agree I mean you can play this co-op but I feel like this is a solo game really but you know, I'll be interested to hear in the comments whether you play this co-op or solo but yeah I mean I 
I like it, but hmm, if it gets too punishingly difficult, I won't want to play it. I mean, I play Spirit Island, and it's here actually because I was using it to help me with the stream, but I play Spirit Island. This is a complex, hard game. I mean, you can make the game as easy and hard as you like, but when you put it on higher levels, it is hard. But I feel like there's a chance with that, and I feel like you can pull it back. Sometimes you will lose, sometimes you won't be able to pull it back, but I feel like it's beatable. Here, though, sometimes you just feel like you have no chance, and that's a little bit of a downer when it comes to certain games. So, yeah, I don't know. Not bad. We'll see how it goes, but I'll be curious to hear what your thoughts are, particularly on the whole difficulty front. Alrighty, let's go very quickly onto some news. I don't want to spend too long on these. Uh, let's see where we're at to um, in the stream. 24 minutes. Okay, so I don't want to spend too long on these, but... Cool Mini or Not is apparently doing a Chronicles RPG. So Zombicide is one of their big sellers. It's basically just, you're a bunch of people, zombie apocalypse, fight for survival, kill zombies, the end, mini adventure. It's like, that's kind of what it is. So they are basically going to do uh, an RPG where you take on the role of survivors and you learn to work together, trust one another and form strategies, etc. So basically, the board game as an RPG is exactly the same. But I'm curious about this. I mean, people, is this what people want? How exactly will this work as a an RPG? I mean, I would imagine you would die pretty easily to zombies in this game for like for your character to you know to get attached to your character. But and also it's obviously going to be combat heavy. I mean, if you're going to need to be proficient with guns or melee or whatever, I can't imagine you being a pacifist style character or role player in this one. It's like, no, you need to be good at combat. So it'll be interesting to see how this turns out. I mean, I am not a, I'm not an RPGer anymore. I used to do that. I just don't have the time anymore. But I'll be curious to see if this one takes off. It was kind of unexpected. Uh, I know Sentinels has got an RPG. I must admit, a superhero RPG sounds pretty sweet. But I just haven't got the time to commit to these sort of things. But I'm curious as to what um, RPG fans are thinking. You know, is Zombicide something that they want? I mean, I'm not actually aware of many zombie-themed RPG, so maybe this is filling in a niche. Ah, delicious tea. Right. Okay, but yeah, we'll see how this one turns out. King of Tokyo is getting a monster box. Yes, we've got the King of Tokyo monster box as recently announced by Yellow Games, and this one I'm a little bit, uh, hmm, on. It's great that there's a big box set for it coming out, but it's essentially going to release with, as the King of Tokyo 2nd Edition, so the new artwork, and all the power-up and Halloween expansions, as well as this exclusive Baby Gigazor that has its own evolution cards and some exclusive cards to the set, which I'm never normally a fan of. It's the idea of, oh, did you own everything for King of Tokyo? Well, because you didn't buy the monster box, there's this one little thing you can never get. It's like, ha-ha. It's like, come on. It's like, it just feels like it's goading you into buying it. And it comes with a new dice tray. Whoopie-doo. I'm not a big fan of dice trays. But, you know, it's still got the same player count, same time retailing for $70. Oh, so about 60 quid I'm expecting that to be. It's not going to be the cheapest thing in the world. But if you are brand new to King of Tokyo and you've been thinking that you want to get a box set of it, then by all means grab this. But the only thing is, is that there was a lot of mini stuff released you know, with King of Tokyo. You had, like, promo um, monsters and stuff like that, and there was also a Cthulhu expansion in first edition. I'm not sure if they re-released it for the second edition, and that's not going to be in here. So I'm worried that you're going to have a monster box that doesn't technically have 100% of the content. That's a little worry. I've got no interest in buying this myself because I have King of Tokyo on my shelf, but it is... Let's see if I can reach it. What? 
There we go. All right, so this one is the King of Tokyo Dark Edition. This is the one I've got. So it's got the black box. It's got the basically the very sort of contrasty neon almost style artwork. Like everything is black, it's night, but you've got this almost like luminous green and yellow all over the place and everything looks really sort of noir style. It's like, it's really awesome. But this is the King of Tokyo I want. You know, I'm not, the second edition artwork is good, but it pales to the Dark Edition. I'm sorry. I mean, the cover of this monster box is just a bunch of monsters with Kino Tokyo Monster Box. And the normal box has got a bunch of monsters, whatever. This one basically has Gigazor, or Godzilla, staring in between two destroyed buildings with a grinning face of, I'm going to eat you now. That's just an awesome cover. I love this cover. It's, you know, this is the, that's the Kino Tokyo game I want. Does it have the power-up expansions? I don't think it did. Because this was a limited release, and I've got a feeling that this was purely... Oh no, it, it didn't have the power-up expansions, but what it did was that it had these extra powers that you could grab um, for leveling up like with claws and that on a certain track. So it kind of made up for the fact that you didn't have the expansion. I can live without the power-up expansion. I mean, it's nice, but I don't need to play it to have fun with this because it's just a light dice game at the end of the day. But man, I mean, oh, it's such a nice looking version. So I don't know. If you're new to Kino Tokyo, then by all means grab this. But if you've already got a copy of Kino Tokyo, I don't see what use this will have for you whatsoever. And speaking of re-releases that are a little bit questionable, Z-Man Games has announced that they're going to do a revised edition of Citadel. So essentially, what they did was that they had a coffin box version of the classic artwork from 2000, the first time I ever played Citadels. And then they did a Dark City expansion, then they did a combo box and the like. Then they did uh, this one, which is the 2016 Master Set version, as I call. This is the one I have in my collection, and I love it. It is gorgeous. The artwork is phenomenal. All the cards are tarot-sized. The coins are, you know, the cool plastic little coins that I got before. And I've got three sets of characters to pick from. It's so good. I love this Master Set. This one is basically... Keeping the new artwork, keeping this, all the extra characters that you can get, but what they've done is that they're repackaging it to be more streamlined and portable. So the box is now smaller, which means the tarot size cards are resized to standard size to make it easier to carry. The punch out pieces have been replaced with little mini cards, and you know, you've still got the gold pieces and the 3D plastic crown, which, whatever, it's a plastic crown, but it's still got the same gameplay as before, and I think you still have the same 27 odd characters to pick from. So, aside from that, it's that's basically all it is. Question is, do I want this rather than the big set? If you want a portable version of Citadels, then fine. Although Citadels is not the most portable game anyway, and I don't know if like making this into a smaller box is really going to mean that suddenly he's going to take it as a travel thing. I mean, it will take up less space when you're at the hotel, but don't expect to be tr um, playing this too often on the move. But what puts me off this one is, well, firstly, why would I want to buy this when I've already got a copy of the main one? So this is for people who haven't got the new version of Citadels. It's like, do I want the big box or do I want the small box? Pick your poison. For me, I've got one. So why would I want this one? On top of that, though, taking the cards down to basic size, I don't know. I like the fact that they're tarot-sized. Huge cards that even on a big table, people can clearly see what they are and the artwork gets a chance to shine. You've got the player abilities on the cards and that. It's like, I feel like the tarot size is such a good boon for this game. So bringing it back down to normal just feels like a backward step. But, you know, 
a little mini expansion for some unique districts. You know, I'll take extra districts. Although, is that something I'm going to have to buy this game for? Is as we have, uh, let's see. Uh, do, 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 do. Fans can expect to see 14 brand new district cards for this revised edition of the game at local hobby scores. Oh, so does that mean it's going to be done in the same card size? That's annoying. If you do that and you don't print some tarot size versions of this, I'm going to be a little bit annoyed because don't force me to buy this because of some unique districts that I'll never get. No, shame on you, Z-Man, if you do that. But I don't know. If you're new to Citadels, you at least now have a choice of big or small. Personally, I think the bigger is better. It's still not exactly the biggest, like the biggest box ever. I mean, come on. I mean, it's it's still thin. It's still a square size. Yes, it's not something I would maybe chuck into my bag to go on a plane, but to take it to a game night's nice and easy. It's just I just think tarot cards are greater than small cards. But as I say, you can pick what you want to do. So a swig of my tea. Delicious honey and chamomile, soups of throat. But now we've got to go on to the topic of the day. So you want to be a board game creator. You want to be like me. You want to do this kind of thing. You want to write content. You want to do videos. You want to do some kind of creative content on the subject of board games. Fair play. I welcome more creators into the fray. And if you're a small creator, then by all means, as I keep saying, hashtag support small creators. You know, we gotta stick together. But I figured I might just want to mention a few points to bear in mind if you are thinking of becoming a creator. Now, I am not an expert on content creation, okay? You know, if I was an expert on content creation, I would be like the most famous person in the world doing board games. It's like, no, that's not happening. I'm just a random British bloke from, well, Britain, and it's <laughs> a stupid line, but I'm just some white bloke doing, you know, board games. It's like nothing special. There's nothing special about me whatsoever. I'm just Joe Bloggs, the accountant, doing board games. And... So these are from my personal experience and observations from being a content creator, being a small content creator, because honestly, if you're one of the big creators, you've kind of got it made by now. You know, nobody's going to suddenly destroy you the next day. You've got, you know, all the followers in the world. You do this full time. You have the budget. You have the staff. You have everything you need. You've got no care in the world, frankly. Smaller content creators, though, on the other hand, have a bit more worry to stuff to worry about. And so uh, maybe these tips will be good for you. Maybe I mean, some of them are tips. Some of them are warnings. It's kind of a mixed bag. I'm just kind of trying to get you to brace yourself for what you're letting yourself in for. Because at the end of the day, this is a very fun experience. You know, I do enjoy putting out content. I enjoy engaging with people and the live chats and people at conventions who come up and say hi, shake my hand or whatever, you know, and play games. I love to engage with you lot. You know, it's not always about, you know, as much as I would like to get more views and that on the channel, that's just normal because I want to justify the work that goes into it. At the end of the day, you who view this channel are the ones who make it stick around because if you weren't here, I'd have no incentive to do this. So, you know, but on top of that, I just need to give you some warning that you mustn't rush into this thinking that this is going to be the high life or the Ritz. So as long as you bear some of this stuff in mind, then you'll be more prepared for what content creation is like with this hobby. So I already mentioned hard work. It is hard work. I mean, this is really hard work. <laughs> this is not something that you can just breeze by. Now, saying that, there are some creators I know out there, big and small, who literally just switch on the camera, talk, and turn it off. There's nothing apart from a small little intro on their videos, maybe an end screen, which YouTube gives you anyway, and that's it. Now, when they're doing that, 
that's the easiest content creation you can do. And if that is all you want to do, then fine, go and do it. At least you're putting itself out there. And at least that won't take a lot of time for you to do, because let's face it, if you are someone who does that, then your editing time must be like 15, 20 minutes, because that's all it takes to suddenly go, right, trim this, intro, outro, render, upload, you know, nice and super fast. My stuff takes a bit longer than that. The Blitz reviews take a bit shorter though, because I don't put in as many effects. I don't have the different transitions of detail and, you know, ease of play and tactics and that. I don't have as many video clips um, in the Blitz reviews as I do the detail ones. And I'm a little bit like, you know, I don't have to mess around too much with lighting and sound with the, with the Blitz ones. Like I said, the idea is that the Blitz ones are a bit easier for me to get edited and out. But they're not exactly short still. They still take me a good couple of hours to edit those videos. It's just the fact that it doesn't take me any longer than that, you know. I mean, the very quick, quick um, Blitz videos, I might be able to do in an hour. But that's if I'm like, you know, like, uh, what's his, well, what's his word? Um, What's his name? Guy from, uh, oh, Wesley Snipes from Demolition Man. Unless I suddenly get into a... a, a a mode of, ah, I'm possessed, wonder if I can play the accordion too, you know, then I can maybe crunk one out in an hour, but that's got to be a very short Blitz review, and as you've noticed from some of my Blitz reviews lately, it kind of varies as to whether they're actually Blitz or not, because sometimes there's just too much to talk about, and sometimes I feel like I should have done a detail review, like Tinner's Trail was a good example. That one was a Blitz-style review, so it didn't take me as long to edit as a detail review, but the amount of stuff I talked about, it really should have been a detail review. But I digress. But as I say, it's hard work. You've got to, you know, you got to get the equipment, but then you've got to learn how to use it. You've then got to be fairly regular with what you put out. You can't just put out a video in one month and then maybe take a break and then put one out the next month because people will just forget you even exist. You've got to be regular. And I don't necessarily mean that you've got to put something out every Monday or every Wednesday, but you certainly need to aim for something like at least a video a week. You know, a video every two weeks might not be often enough unless it's a really well done, professional, long, high quality information video or something. Then fine, do it once every fortnight. But if you're just trying to put out like a review every now and again or some random top 10 list or something, or even just your musings on board games in general, like what did I play last week? Put a video out each week and keep it regular because then YouTube notices you, people notice you, and like I say, I'll notice you hopefully because then hashtag support some more creators. And, but I am just saying that, you know, editing is hard, it takes time, uh, actually doing the recording is not easy. I mean, you have to get yourself into a mindset, you have to be comfortable talking in front of a camera. It took me a little bit of while to get used to, but now I'm pretty comfortable with a camera in front of me, as long as my throat can last, that's the only deal. But then I've got to obviously, like, I've got to set up the cameras and I've got multiple ways it can go and I've got limited space, so it takes a bit of time to do that. I've then got to get seated. I've got to obviously play the game in general multiple times, so that takes up time. Then I've got to actually record the video and it's not like I just do one take, you know. I mean, people who do, like, really short, like, minute videos or something, you know, I don't, I can't speak for them all, but, you know, the shorter your video, the less likely you had to do a lot of takes. But... Even if you do a lot of takes, if your video is short, it doesn't take you that long to do multiple takes. But if you're doing a 20-minute video like I do and you've got to take multiple takes, woo-wee, it's going to take you a while to actually record that video. And then obviously in the editing room, which takes forever, you have to be able to go, well, hang on a minute, right, so I want that bit, don't want that bit. You know, I've got a good tip for you, actually. If you're one of these people who's editing and has to trim their footage a lot, then here's a tip. When you do a speech, a segment, Obviously, try and do it in segments. Don't try to do the whole video in one take. Do it in segments. Take a breath. Ease yourself. 
the gap in the editing room will clearly show and you'll be able to go, all right, that's a break. But here's a tip. When you're doing multiple takes, like say I do the same number nine segment on the top 10 and I do it three times because the first two times I mess up, I get my words wrong, you know, I like cough or some ice cream van comes by next door, you know, that tends to happen. Uh, but say the third take is the one that I want. What you do is when you're ready to move on to the next segment, clap your hands three times like that. Clap your hands three times and make it visual that you're doing it on the camera. This does two things. Firstly, if you're watching the footage, you actually see yourself do it, which is already an indicator. But what those three claps do is that they show up on your soundbite as uh, little spikes. Uh, I don't know. I can't really show you right now on this um, uh, PC. But in doing so, you essentially put three very clear spikes on your audio track and this reminds you ah that was the last take so you can instantly just delete everything that came before it and keep that last take it's a good way to speed up your editing process so a little tip for you there that I've learned but yeah it's not easy and even uploading the video takes time you know when you upload a video here it's not just simply a case of click on create upload and it's done when you upload something um, I can't go into the screen but you've got to finger the title You've got to do the SEO tags. And I use TubeBuddy to do mine. Uh, you've got to do a description. You've got to put up, I recommend putting stuff in your thing like a, a link to who you are and links to previous videos and stuff and links to your Patreon and Facebook and that. That takes time. Even though you can save templates, it still takes time. But then you've got to go through several menus for, you know, all right, this is suitable for children. Here's my title. You've got to design a thumbnail. Thumbnails take time. Is that, you get what I'm saying at this point. It's hard work, and I do this on top of a full-time job, hence probably the anxiety pains, but uh, yeah, the stress is there. If you are doing this full-time and it's all you can do, I think that's actually easier. Granted, you have more to worry about because technically it could also be your source of income, but if, you, if I had full-time to commit to this channel, oh my word, I'd love to see where it could go. Full-time with this channel, with a bigger room set up, and the amount of time I could spend devoting to various things would be insane. But uh, this doesn't pay the bills. This is like pocket money. And even then, the pocket money is used to fund the channel. It's not for profit. You know, what I make on advertising revenue and stuff like that and Patreon money, which, like I say, so happy and appreciative of everybody who signs up to my Patreon campaign, it goes to fund the channel. Subscriptions for Adobe, subscriptions for StreamYard, subscriptions for SoundCloud, uh, YouTube Premium. You know, there's, there's all sorts of things that are necessary in order to actively work with the stuff. And it all costs money, and I don't have a lot of it. Not to mention, the equipment costs an arm and a leg as well. That's the other thing, actually. Let's move on to the second part, cost. Equipment's not cheap. This is a big microphone with a stand. I've got a Z-Bench for my laptop, a whole laptop with the peripherals. I've got a webcam, Logitech webcam on a clamp. Some people have a camera stuck in their roof. Uh, I wish I could get a camera in the ceiling. I have no idea how you do it. I have no expertise in DIY, but if I could do it, where would it interfere with the light bulb? I have no idea. But maybe something like that would allow me to do playthroughs on this channel. And it's tempting, but somebody's going to have to come around my house and do it because there's no way I'm even going to try and tackle it or I would destroy my roof. But, you know, the camera, the DSLR that I use on my channel, you know, the stuff to do these detail reviews, that costs a lot of money as well. I mean, uh, what's, uh, I don't know, let me, maybe I'll bring up Amazon DSLR camera. So a basic one, you're talking still like £380, £390. Don't bother with a cheapo camera because honestly, you need to get good visual and audio quality. But 
why don't I show you what I did? Um, I have, let's see, let's go Amazon, Canon 80, was it EOS 80D? That's the DSLR I use, right? Uh, so where is this? I need to find it on there. Here we go. So this is just the body only, right? For the camera. Does it have a price? Uh, can't see. Oh, well, yeah. Here we go. So a renewed version, body only. So that's not even including the lens cap. Eight hundred pounds. You might be able to get it for less on certain other sites. Maybe you can get it for a couple hundred quid cheaper. But yeah, you're talking about eight hundred quid. That's just for the body. You've then got to get the lens, and the lens could be several hundred quid in themselves. I mean, your camera is easily going to set you back a good grand plus for a decent HD camera, which you need. Now, you don't have to go mad with, uh, what do you call it, 4K, because most people do not watch YouTube in 4K. HD will suffice. And honestly, if you've seen my StreamYard, StreamYard wants to charge me an extra $20 a month to do HD in 1080p. Screw you, StreamYard, you money-grabbing... Seriously, I'm on the basic plan for StreamYard, right? StreamYard costs a certain amount each month for me to use, and it means I can do streaming. It just means I'm restricted to 720p, which is what you may have noticed when you're watching my things. Now, as far as I'm aware, none of you care that my stuff is in 720p on StreamYard live collaborations and my uh, um, Q&As. You know, let me know if you have noticed, but hopefully it's not a bother for you. But it would cost me an extra $20 a month just to make it HD 1080p. I'd get no other benefit for that. You know, any extra tiny additions that that extra, that upgraded plan would get me is worthless to me. I don't need to stream to eight different platforms. I don't like Twitch. I don't like TikTok. I, Facebook Live, who even uses that? Maybe Stonemaier. Uh, but, you know, I don't want to, like, span to eight different things. So literally, the only benefit for $20 a month is 1080p, an extra few hundred pixels of resolution no screw you i mean if i had if i had twice the amount of patreons that i have now i could probably afford that but even then i'd struggle to justify that kind of level of uh cost for just 1080p but who knows if i can get another you know what have i got 70 patreons at the moment if i can get 140 patreons then maybe i can afford to do that but uh like i say you know barely enough to scrape it as it is so it but as I say, you need good visual quality, you need good audio, like you really need the best microphones that you can get. This microphone is fantastic for me when I do anything in this room on the laptop. Uh, I wouldn't use the headset, like gaming headset that I have in the other room on my gaming PC because the quality just isn't as good. Occasionally I use it because uh, like, as I found out when I was doing the live stream with uh, Paul Grogan the other day, um, I found that my resolution on my screen was choppy and things were not good because this laptop is a gaming laptop, but laptops just physically can't do as much as a proper PC. You know, they're not designed to handle so much load and digital apps on Steam, particularly Tabletop Simulator, are not very efficient with your resources. So the next time we do anything like that, I might just have to say, I might have to move this microphone to that screen and see what happens, which is a hassle, having to take it off here and move it to there. But I need to use my gaming PC because that can handle the load because it's got powerful hardware in it. So as I say, it's a costly endeavor. Be warned. You better have a budget. Uh, you also need to have the right mentality when you go into it. Uh, do not be into content creation because you want it for popularity, review copies, or money. Popularity is a subjective thing here. I mean, I would imagine... I'm one of the least popular people on YouTube right now. And that is not me asking for a sympathy vote. I would say I'm very unpopular. Yeah, you know, and that's, you know, 
the subs have got nothing to do with it. 14,000 subs, I'm happy to have 14,000 subs. I love you all. But in terms of popularity, it's not about subs. It's about the social media side of things. You know, how many people are willing to retweet all your stuff? How many people are getting in contact with you? Do the publishers want to send you review copies and that? I'm the sort of person, though, who speaks my mind. I am not going to hold back if I don't like a game. Now, some publishers are cool with that. And I love some of these publishers that I work with who are willing to send me a game knowing that there's a chance I might dislike the game. Obviously, they're hoping I like it. And I'll have an idea if I like it before I get the game. But as I say, they don't mind me putting out a negative review because at the end of the day, all buzz is good buzz. It doesn't matter if someone's negative about it because my negative is someone's positive. We all like different things. But the problem is not every publisher sees it that way and not every commuter, um, commuter, consumer sees it that way. The fact that I can be willing to speak negatively about a game paints me as grumpy old you know grumpy old middle-aged bloke from britain or something you know and it doesn't land the same kind of stamp as somebody who is out there and every single video they do is nothing but positive like oh i love this i love this oh this is amazing this is amazing oh this garbage game is amazing too it's like hmm yeah that's not what i like to see when i look at content creators but as i say doesn't paint a rosy picture on my head does it so I'm not in this to be popular, though, because if I was, I would have, like, quit and run crying, like, several years ago or something. It's like, it's just something I have to deal with as a small creator. But, yeah, you don't try to, don't go into this thinking you're going to be as popular as the next Shut Up and Sit Down. I don't even like Shut Up and Sit Down's content, but they are the one, they are the most popular channel in the world. I'm not trying to be Shut Up and Sit Down. Yeah, I'm not trying to be that level of popularity in that. I'm just happy that there's people out there who appreciate the content, appreciate what I do, appreciate the work that goes into it, and are willing to support me and help keep it going. But I just love to engage with a ton of cool people. That's the main reason I wanted to do the channel. Um, but then also money. This channel does not make money. This channel doesn't make a profit. If it did, I would be doing it full time. But I, it doesn't. If I did this full time, I'd be homeless within the space of a few months. I am a tax accountant. I do tax. I am a chartered accountant. I have done professional studies throughout most of my life. Too many, in fact, I think. But I went to university to train like this. I went to like to college and everything, school. I've worked my whole life to have a career that is stable and well-paying. And, you know, it was hard work, not without its fair share of tears, but it paid off. You know, I'm not exactly like the highest CEO or anything like that, but then I don't want to be. But I'm in a position where I'm happy in the sense of, all right, this is as high as I need to go. It earns enough money and I'm stable. It's, it's a stable job. That's what pays my bills. That's what gives me this house. That's what gives me these board games behind me on these Ikea shelves. Not this blog. My job allows me to do that. The fact that I am single, not by choice, but, you know, single means less expenses. I have no kids, less expenses. You know, I have a fairly simple life. I mean, I enjoy doing all sorts of things, but, you know, I do a lot of fitness stuff and that. Well, all I need is one gym membership and that covers that. You know, I feed myself. It's only one person. I don't tend to keep tons of stuff around the house except for board games, obviously. You know, I'm not buying DVDs all the time. Most of my money go, you know, like spare money, 
goes on things like running the bills and you know paying the bills running my car uh, membership gym memberships uh going out for meals with friends you know going to the board game cafes in order to try out games because obviously that costs you know you're getting food and drink while you're there and obviously paying cover charges you know a lot of my money that's spare goes out on that and the rest of it is going on things like my mortgage and you know proper things like my car my new car requires me to pay a monthly amount back because it's basically pcp it's a personal contract hire so i've got expenses to pay like everybody else but less so because i live alone although living alone also means only one source of income not two sources of income so it's kind of balanced but at the end of the day the blog does not make money it makes enough money to support itself and even then, that was only after a while because at the start, it will not make you anything at all. Like advertising revenue is pennies unless you can make millions of views on YouTube. You need to be in the six-digit numbers for views to stand a chance of earning any half-decent income off this channel. And even then, it would be lower than you could get from a difficult, typical decent professional job. So don't be in it for the money. And don't be in it for review copies because at the end of the day... Publishers will not send you review copies just because you exist. I mean, you certainly need to build up networks. You need to like get in touch with these publishers and say, this is what I do. But publishers are not going to be as willing to send you stuff when you are literally like, I have literally just started. I've got five subscribers and I've done one video. They've got no incentive to send you anything. You need to build up a reputation. You need to build up a list of videos. You need to showcase your content. It's like somebody who wants to sell their art. I'm an artist and I want to go sell to a gallery. I don't, or a photographer. It's like, I'm offering my services as a photographer. Do you think the person just literally buys the camera and says, I'm a photographer, please help, please hire me? No, they have portfolios with all their stuff in it. And by that, they are able to uh, you know, showcase what they can do. It's like, I'm not going to uh, you know, go to you just because you do that. I mean, let me look up a photographer photographer learn how to spell luke you moron but you know so i've got photographers in my area tj james white becky hill i mean i don't know who any of these are but let's find a website let's do a near photo so you know if, if you are a near photo you're getting a shout out but frankly i doubt you watch this channel but here you go so you look at a photographer and it shows all the different services it shows their photos it shows what they are capable of and somewhere here there's probably you know, you can probably see lots of different ones. So let's see, they've got a YouTube thing. I can't play that for sound, but here you go. So they've got lots of different stuff and you can see photo after photo after photo after photo showcasing how good their photography is. Well, you need to do that on YouTube as well. You can't just come in and say, I'm a blogger, therefore give me games. Ah, little drink there. You know, you've got to be, got to be a little bit careful. So... Yeah, just be aware of that. Uh, let's see. Find a niche style if you can. You know, just coming on and saying I'm going to do reviews is cool. I mean, do reviews. We all do reviews. But understand that I joined at the wrong time. I started doing this when there were far too many creators out there. And now there's so many creators out there, which is great. Diversification is cool. The problem is it's hard to get noticed. Whenever people on Facebook put on stuff to say like, oh, who's a cool creator that I can look forward to? Are you surprised that it's the same 10 trending channels that get mentioned? No, because they came in early. They are trending. Well, some of them didn't come in early. Some of them got propped up like in recent years because of, you know, 
side stuff they do or you know oh i know this person therefore they're supporting me and whatever or like i'm from this background therefore diversification that sort of thing but you know which is great i want to see more of that stuff but as i say unless you're very lucky or from a very specific circumstance or you came into this early like the dice tower and watch it play did then you're not going to get noticed as easily. And as a small creator, we have to deal with the fact that we don't get noticed pretty much at all. You know, I've done the shout outs and collaborations with some fantastic people like the Nerd Shells and Game Ramblings and uh, uh, was it Bone Collector and One Pit Wonder and you know, Billy Indiana and, and Side Game and all sorts of like really cool people. And we don't get noticed that much. It's just something to do especially when it's just reviews because there's umpteen amount of people who can do reviews. Now, if you have a unique selling point, like a, a specific type of content that you're good at, then go with it. Like, um, let me do a, oh, in fact, well, why don't we just make this a, sh a, a, a kind of weird shout out here because I haven't done the shout out this video, but shelf clutter, all right? Shelf clutter. So let's go find that. Shelf clutter is a channel on YouTube. Uh, they um, recommended me a while ago. I hope they still recommend me at this point. But easy, I got to subscribe to them. But they do all sorts of Kickstarter stuff. So they are basically all about Kickstarter. Coming to Kickstarter, week of this. Coming to Kickstarter, week of this. And they do some other, like, my favorite board games and stuff like that. But it's pretty much Kickstarter, 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 Kickstarter. So, great. That's the niche. Do Kickstarter. Nothing but Kickstarter. And Kickstarter is popular. And honestly, I find this to be one of the best channels actually for doing Kickstarter news because he, he, you know, he's very clear. He's got after he's got some decent videos. He's a nice, he's a nice guy. And every week, new Kickstarter video, new Kickstarter video, new Kickstarter video. So if you want to know about upcoming Kickstarters, I think this is the channel you really go for. You know, hashtag support small creators. Less than five thousand subs. I think this guy deserves more. But of course, I mean that I know I do watch the Dice Tower crowdfunding as well. But I tend to watch both of these to see what's on there. So. By all means, give this guy a look. There you go. There's your shout out for this one. Shelf clutter. But this is what I'm getting at, you see. A niche thing. And like I say, there are other people who do Kickstarter, but not a ton of people who focus on it like 100%. But maybe you don't want to do Kickstarter. Maybe you've just got some other thing. Like maybe you just want to focus on kids' games. I'm going to do reviews and playthroughs of nothing but kids' games because I have a family with children and I play lots of stuff with my children. Great. Make that your niche, make that your selling point. And then, you know, when we're saying support small creators, we can go, well, this small creator does nothing but children's games. So I can't do children's games. I have no children and I don't play with children very often. So that means that I can't do kids games. I can say that this person does. I can say, here's a small channel, hashtag support small creators. Go watch them. They do nice content, they're lovely people and they do kids videos. Fantastic. You've got yourself a unique selling point to stand out in a crowded market. And the thing is, is that as much as this industry has a lot of cool stuff in it, at the end of the day, it is a bit of a battleground. Okie doke. Uh, let's see. Uh, be honest in reviews. Yes, be honest. Okay. I mean, if you're going to do reviews, don't hide away. Don't hide your feelings don't sugarcoat everything just because you don't want to offend anyone or not you know i know it can sometimes like backlash a little bit because some gamers are not incapable of accepting that you have a different opinion to them but you really do need to be honest if you don't like a game and you're going to do a review on it say why you don't like it i'm not going to you can do a review of sentinels in the multiverse as your first video and you can say that this game was trash and i didn't like it i'm not going to lose sleep over that 
I still have the game. It's not like your hatred of it suddenly means that I should hate it too. But I want to hear why you do. And I might even agree with some of it. If you hate it because you can't stand the uh, bookkeeping side of it, I'll be like, yeah, it does have a lot of that. I'm over it. I'm used to it now. But I can totally understand that somebody would be put off the game entirely because of it. It's uh, different strokes for different folks. But that's the thing. You didn't hold back. You went out there and you said, I don't like this because X. Now, if you truly love a game like, like crazy, then great do that. You watched my Whistle Mountain video that I did a while ago? Blind me. I was like a like giddy little schoolgirl talking about that one, you know, this uh, 10 out of 10 game. And I've been really high praising Spirit Island as well. But uh, somewhere at the back here. Yeah, but yeah, t uh, it's probably a couple of pages back. And But I've done some negative ones as well. Like, a, well, I wouldn't say negative, but average ones. You know, people think that if you don't give something a 10 out of 10, it means you're being negative. It's like, no, it means you're being critical. That's the whole point of being a critic. Duh. Um, but the idea with this is that I done, let's see, Destinies. I thought it was okay, above average, but I found it had problems. I don't think it's the best thing since sliced bread like some creators were doing, who I think overlooked some critical flaws here. It's like, seriously, the game is fine, but you can't overlook stuff like this, and they did. But I was willing to speak my mind. Uh, the, uh, let's see, the, let's see, we've got another one here. Uh, yeah, Court of Miracles uh, from the same publisher. I went crazy and said that this was a fantastic little area control game, like a hidden gem. I was willing to say that. You know, most people have barely heard the game or don't care about it. But I'm like, no, this is a really good game. I'm putting my back behind this. You know, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. And then there's other games. Let's have a look. Uh, Imperium. One of the hotness games right now. Some people are willing to declare this the best game of 2021. Um, hmm. it's a really good game. It's great, and it's in my collection, and I've pimped it up, but best game of 2021? Actually, saying that, 2021 has kind of sucked a bit so far, hasn't it, for games? Maybe this is the best game of 2021, come to think of it. But, as I say, I am willing to point out some of the flaws in there. And then we've got the Tinner's Trail. I did Tinner's Trail recently. I gave it a 5 out of 10, spoiler alert, but an average rating. I didn't think the game was bad, but I also had problems with it. Alley Cat Games, though, are, are happy about it. They don't mind that I gave it an average review. I mean, granted, they wish I could give it a 10 out of 10 review, but, you know, they're not suddenly going, oh, we don't like Luke anymore because he didn't like that particular game. No, they're glad I'm honest about it. Constructive criticism should be rewarded, and I should say that if you are going to do a content creation, you're going to do reviews, you need to be you need to adhere to your feelings, you need to not be afraid of uh, backlash, and you need to be constructive in your criticism, and you'll be rewarded. Although, on that note, and this will probably be the last bit I talk about in this one, uh, you need to keep a hard shell and watch out on social media. Yeah. If you're going to do content creation, you got to get your... You, you got to really put up your defenses. And I don't mean that means that you've got to repel anybody who says that you're not doing a good job or anything. No, that's not what I'm getting on about. This isn't put up your defenses so that you can repel the invaders. No, it's a case that you need to be strong. Your, your resolve needs to be strong. Because you are going to please some people. And they're going to love your content. And they're going to think you're amazing. And I hope I'm one of those people. And, you know, they're going to go, great. Nice job. Good on you. Not everybody is that nice, though. There are people out there who just want to see the world burn. They are basically the jokers of the board gaming world. And you might say, you know, I've had times where I'll post a first impressions of a game. 
on Facebook. I've done that. Uh, I did that recently with Clinic. And I put the game on there. I gave my first impressions. And I clearly stated, not a review, just first impressions. One game on Tabletop Simulator, of all things, which isn't even the best way to play a lot of the heavier games. And I said, first impressions, here are my thoughts, pros and cons, constructive criticism. But my overall first impressions were, wasn't a fan of the game. Dislike, not hate. Oh my word, you try telling a clinic fan that you're not a fan of their game and they will castrate you as far as they can. Whoa, it was horrible. And the backlash was insane. Now, doesn't bother me too much because I'm getting to that point where I can be fairly resolved when people are just simply, oh, you're just having to go at me because I didn't like your game. Well, whatever, you know, you're just, you know, you refuse to let people critique your game. It's like, that doesn't bother me as much. However, I'm not immune to this. You know, I try to keep up a relatively hard shell, but I mentioned before about anxiety chest pains. I still have anxiety problems. I still don't like it when people are disappointed in something I do or when I get hated for something, whether it was in my control or not, or whether, you know, like I say, people unfollowing me out of the blue with no explanation as to why. Do you know how much anxiety that sets off when you think, wait a minute, someone who I was fine with before suddenly, why? What have I done? I don't know. Tell me. Seriously, but you can't exactly go to them and say, Oi, why did you leave me? It's like, that doesn't kind of like set a good tone. But imagine what kind of anxiety that sets off in people, you know, who think like, I was just trying to be a blogger. That's all I wanted to be. Why are you got to be so mean about it? And it's just, you know, there's a lot of people like that. You've got to be tough against that sort of thing. Now, I'm not saying that when you come into content creation, it's all doom and gloom and everybody's going to hate you, but you're going to get some people who are jerks. Some of the trending channels, some of the popular people will get very bad comments now and again. You get the occasional racist and like sexually offensive comments sometimes, depending on your background. And yeah, that is not very nice at all. There are trolls out there on YouTube. It's just a thing you have to deal with. I have to deal with trolls on a continuing basis. People who you know, spam my thing with use of spam bot attacks. Uh, people who will come on and say that, oh, you know, this was a garbage review and you're garbage as well. And it's just like, sorry, but you know, you want to constructively critique something I've done fine. But if you're just going to come in on a hate train, then no. But, but then, you know, people on other social media, I mean, people are, not, when people are speaking to you face to face, they're not as willing to tell you that they dislike you or anything like that. But online, people have no filters. People are more than willing to basically be jerks online and be really mean about people behind their back. I mean, I've had people like retweet stuff and have a go at me behind my back without any way for me to see it's happening. I've had to have followers like retweet, like post images to me showing like this is so and so has like slagged you off behind your back. And you see the comments put there and it's just like, wow. I wouldn't say this to a human being in real life, and yet you're doing this to me behind my back, and it's just, it hurts. Anxiety, as I say, probably half the reason of the chest pain today. But as I say, this can happen. You need to be prepared. And I'm not saying it's never going to happen, and I'm not saying you should avoid content creation because it can happen, because it's a small minority, you know, most of the people that are going to comment on your videos and support you are going to be great, fantastic people. And that is what's going to keep you going. But you are going to get some of those people who are just going to be jerks and you need to be prepared and be able to deal with it and not let it get to you. And I struggle with this myself. There are plenty of times, even recently, where I'm like, 
everybody's just trying to have a go at me now what every time i try to do something something blows up and it goes wrong what is the point of doing this channel anymore if everyone's just gonna hate me why do i need this stress and burnout is a real thing with content creators some great people i know in content creation have fallen by the wayside because of stress if you're one of the ones who gets trendy and everybody loves you the bits then you got nothing to worry about you can literally put out like oh here's my uh review video um Here's my game. It's good. Oh, by the way, here's the dog. And that's it. And suddenly you're still like putting out something everybody likes. You'll get to a point where trolls just do not bother you. <laughs> so it's kind of like that, uh, as I say, popularity. But as a small content creator, you got to be a little bit prepared. And on that note, be careful with social media. Social media is a way, is something that you need to get used to in order to uh, get your stuff out there. You know, I use various means of social media. But it's a double-edged sword, depending on the platform you use. The best one, I would say, is... Let's see, can I bring up the page? Yes, I can. Um, but essentially, Instagram is definitely the best one, I think. I think it's the best social media channel for board gaming. Because not only do you get really cool photos from people, but it's also the one place where I haven't seen people be jerks. I've never seen a mean comment said about anybody on these on Instagram. People put up photos and there are people I follow. And we've got Board Game Family UK, Decca 51. Uh, there was Culvery Studios up there. Never Board Gaming. Uh, not Board Gaming, in fact. Uh, and various publishers. Table Topping. Um, board Game Perspective. I've got a fantastic uh, channel on here. Side Game was just there. There's a lot of cool stuff on Instagram to find. But people who comment on that and get into discussions so nice nobody is saying a bad word on instagram but the problem with instagram is that it's a bit of a ball ache in order to actually uh get used to it you know posting to it is really difficult you can't post to it directly from a web browser so you kind of have to use the instagram app to do it but that's really annoying because the instagram app has so many ways to get in your face about oh this photo isn't the right aspect ratio therefore we can't post it please resize it you know i use various um means like content planners to like schedule some stuff sometimes and the amount of times i have to mess around with instagram because it's like oh i can't you know i have to send you a mobile notification to post multiple photos which you then have to go into the app while you're busy doing something else and then edit and do filters on each individual one and then copy and paste your hashtags and oh my word posting to instagram is such a chore if it wasn't for the fact that everybody was super friendly on here i would have given up already but like i say it's nice to have an Instagram there, and I post pictures up there, I post links, I post thumbnails for upcoming videos, I post kind of all sorts on there, really, it's kind of a mixed bag for me, and that means I've only got a thousand followers, which is nothing on Instagram, I mean, you know, there are some people who ended up with like 10,000 followers by just literally posting a picture of themselves and going, I like board games, but, you know, it's not an easy thing to do well at Instagram, it requires a lot of effort like you might actually have to make instagram the only social media channel you use plus youtube because it's going to be tricky otherwise but as i say if you like me on instagram then please give me a shout out i'm trying to improve my stance on instagram like get used to the posting find ways to make instagram work but it's not easy for me not easy at all i mean and like I say, it's good. Like, what did I do? I put up a big reel. This took me a while to post on Instagram, but I put up the photos of my current uh, board game collection as it looks. So this is the new IKEA shelf that I had downstairs. So, you know, looking pretty good. Um, it took me a while to type out all of this stuff. And then you've got to do the, uh, oh, what you call it? You've got to do 
like the hashtags and all that in order for things to get used but then you get like 81 people like it and these are all really nice people i'm glad they follow the channel so it's great you know people on and, and i need to follow more of these people as well i need to do a follow uh, update but yeah there's a lot of cool stuff that can happen with instagram so by all means give this one a look but it is a lot of effort uh twitter on the other hand wowzers uh you need to be a little bit careful when it comes to twitter twitter is a good way to kind of advertise yourself to various people so you can you know put the word out you can put your name out you can put up quick little tweets to say i'm doing uh this and i'm doing this or i've played this game quick or i've got a review coming up you know this is kind of the stuff i do but twitter is very toxic at times you know i mean you know, you can put up a nice tweet and people can respond to it and you'll get some nice people on here that are willing to be, you know, like I say, nice. But there's a lot of people who want to be jerks on Twitter, especially. Twitter is super, super, super toxic. You know, you can put up stuff that is perfectly harmless and somebody can just come out and roast you alive on here. And as soon as any level of controversy um starts on twitter it explodes into insanity it really is i mean you cannot be neutral on twitter because if you keep a neutral stance on anything then you'll get basically there'll be two sides to every argument and if you support one side the other side will castrate you if you go neutral then both sides will castrate you it's like you can't win you are screwed one way or the other damned if you do damned if you don't and so Twitter is, I'm almost at the point where I just wonder why I bother with Twitter. But there are some cool people on Twitter who chat to me and like join in polls and stuff. And, you know, I'm happy for those. I'm happy to have those sort of people on Twitter. But yeah, you've got to put up with stuff. So if you're going to use Twitter as your social media platform, be warned, you know, stick to, you know, you kind of need to be 100% positive on Twitter. Otherwise, you could be opening yourself up to, like, craziness. And, I mean, I don't just do board gaming stuff on here. I mean, I post, like, movie trailers. I post, like, general stuff in my life. But, yeah, I mean, I post, like, GIFs and stuff. Like, yeah, here we go. I did a, yeah, feedback, a link to my Facebook page on the What If series, which I'm really enjoying, and stuff like that. And, you know, you've got to try to be positive on Twitter. But, yeah, be prepared. This one is very bad and i say if people unfollow you on twitter the only way to find out is with fur 30 software and you'll notice that someone's unfollowed you and you have no idea why it's not like they give reasons so if someone unfollows you you just have to accept that someone didn't like you for some unexplained reason although in my case it's never usually unexplained as i look at the stuff that they say behind my back but it's you've got to be careful twitter is a minefield if it goes right for you, it will work wonders, but it can also just be nothing but toxicity. I could scroll down the feed in the morning and be like, oh God, all I am seeing is hate this, hate this, hate this, or this made me sad, or this, uh, you know, sob stories and like controversies galore. Twitter can be very painful and it's why I've almost wanted to stop using it. But if I don't have Twitter and I'm not very good with Instagram, how am I going to get my blog sort of notice you know twitter at least gets noticed by publishers even if it's a little harder to do with you know various you know individuals but i don't know it's it's a tough one but by all means if you are on twitter and you haven't subscribed to it yet then please do i'm trying to improve the content i put out on twitter in terms of regularity in that and i'd love to chat to you some more but that's twitter for you so then you have facebook and let's see i don't want to reveal too much on the whole Facebook side, but Facebook uh, groups. 
you have got various uh, board gaming groups. So what we got here, Board Game Chat, Trading and Chat UK, uh, Board Game Revolution, the Board Game Group. Um, I've got various uh, club groups, uh, Dice Tower, Solo Board Gamers. There's a lot of these that I, you know, I've joined and subscribed to and well subscribe to you know I post stuff in there whether it's stuff to do with a blog or just general uh, plays and these are not bad you know these these sort of things Facebook groups are generally okay but it's not as good as Instagram you can still get some toxicity on Facebook uh in certain things and if somebody posts anything contro um, controversial on here or like some like major hate tale then my god the comments can explode and again be careful you take a stance you're going to annoy some people so you you know you're damned if you do damned if you don't but on here you also have to be careful about whether you put up negative stuff about a game because remember what i said about some people who can't take the fact that you're critiquing their game facebook i think seems to be the worst place for those to come back at you more so than twitter if you say you don't like a game on Twitter, not that many people care. They might just ignore you. But on Facebook, they will let you know they hate your guts if you critique their game. So be warned. But if you're the sort of person that's going to put nothing but you know positive stuff about everything you post on there, then, well, you'll get off fine. And certainly if you scroll down most of the stuff that gets put on here, anything that is a positive post will have all the likes, all the hearts and everything. Although... Sometimes that backfires into you. I mean, what did I do? I posted up a post here saying, uh, you know, like, you know, things are happening at the moment. They're terrible things. But, you know, everybody has rekindled my love for the hobby. You know, I opened up my heart in this post. You know, like, you know, some people in the industry can let us down. But everybody in the community, uh, you know, focuses on the positive and everyone bands together. And that's what I like about this community. It's like, oh, fantastic. We get to you know, band together and everybody in the community is stronger as a whole, like, you know, and positive stuff. It was a really positive post. And yet people were questioning it and sort of going, oh, you know, I don't know, don't agree with this bit or uh, we'll take off the comments on this one and that. And it's like, seriously, a heartfelt post about how awesome the community is and people have a problem with this? seriously i mean what do you have to do in order to like get not not even just likes just for people to stay positive everybody is out to find a negative reason for everything and this is coming from someone who's willing to talk negative about board games but i'm a bit more positive in life chaps i mean come on you know try and look on the bright side now and again but i don't know some people some people but you know, but you got to be careful because, you know, you put some stuff on. And the other thing with social media to bear in mind is that sometimes you can get ignored. You know, some people will just ignore what you put out, which is why, you know, you might find a social media post that is literally just somebody going, I bought this game. Great. And it might have 50 likes, you know, 50, 100, you know, 100 likes for someone literally just saying, I just bought this. I could put out a post saying I played this game. I liked it. Or here's a blog post or like I say, the comment i mentioned a minute ago and get 10 you know it's social media is a popularity contest pure and simple regardless of twitter facebook and instagram it's a popularity contest through and through and it carries its own benefits but it also carries some problems as well and you kind of need to be you need to do your research on how social media works you need to pick your platforms i do all three maybe i shouldn't do all three but 
you know, what else can I do at this point? But maybe you should think, all right, I'm just going to focus entirely on Twitter or focus entirely on Facebook or Instagram. And honestly, I feel like out of the three, you should focus your time on Instagram because I think Instagram is still the best one. But, or maybe you're just not going to bother with social media. Maybe you hate social media's guts and you just want to do YouTube. Then just do YouTube. You know, pick what platforms you're going to do, but you're going to need to do something. You can't just hide in the background because you won't get noticed. Ooh, whoa, did I just go on a bit of a rant and rave there? Oh, well, as I say, speak my mind, it's what I do. Wow, an hour and 20 minutes, that was a long stream. So yeah, fair enough, I'm going to start wrapping things up there. So in summary, as I say, do you want to be a creator? Yes, good for you, be a creator. Use your creativity, be passionate about the hobby, and put what you want out. All I am saying is that you need to have the right mindset. You need to realize it's hard work. You need to realize that some people are just out to see the world burn. You need to realize that small creators have a harder time getting noticed because a lot of the larger creators have formed cliques now, which means that if you're not in their friendship group, you won't get any support whatsoever. You need to have a hard shell to deal with trolls, to deal with people who are just out to hate you for whatever reason, just because you didn't like their favorite game. And you need to be honest in reviews and content. You can't lie to people because lying is the worst thing that you can do. And you need to pick your social media platforms and you need to be either competent on using them, but you also need to bear in mind the pros and cons for each social media platform. So as I say, I've rant and raved too much. Um, I'm going to set this one off now and get it recorded and uploaded. But thank you, everybody who has listened to this uh, podcast show. Thank you for everybody who has helped support the channel, whoever is a Patreon, whoever just likes me on YouTube or likes my stuff on social media, on Twitter and Facebook. I mean, I'm on those free channels. If you haven't subbed to me on any of those free channels, then by all means do so. Get in touch. Respond to when I put up a Facebook post about, oh, I've done this game. What do you think? You know, I'm going to improve a lot on that on Twitter. Twitter is going to have posts for me now saying questions and asking for feedback. And here's a game. What do you think? And, you know, really trying to up the engagement on Twitter to make it more positive and less toxic. So if you do see my posts on that, by all means, get engaged and start feeding back. If you see my stuff on those Facebook groups, then by all means, if I post something, just comment. I want to comment and discuss stuff with you. I want us to engage. And if you're just watching YouTube and you don't care about social media, then make leave a comment in this video. Leave a comment and a like in all the other videos. And I will respond to your comments, you know, as often as I can. And, you know, I'd love to engage with you there. So, as I say... Don't let this video put you off being a content creator. That wasn't the intention, even though there was a lot of like warnings you have to there. I just want it to be the best experience for you. And I hope that one day you will create content. And I hope that I'll be one of your subscribers soon. So anyway, I'm going to wrap up there. So that's it for this show. If you like what you see, please leave a like on the video. It means the world to me to know that you appreciate the content. Uh, this channel is sponsored by Zatu.co.uk. And if you want to check out more content on the channel, then I have recently talked about uh, what games I bought in July. So you can check out that video. And in the near future, you will see a King is Dead review and an Undaunted review and before my top 100 but then you can also find out what my thoughts were on Tinner's trail as well. So take care and remember, despite everything negative that goes on sometimes these days, it's still only a game. Bye for now. Love you all. Take care.